0: And welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? We're back again. We've had some summer holidays. We've been away. We've been to conventions. We've been to the seaside. With me, as always, is Baz.
1: How are you doing, Baz? I've got sand in my shoes, so I'm at disadvantage for being on rocky terrain. That's how I am. <laughs> well, what you need is the steady hands edge from Savage Worlds. That's what you're right out. No managed to for you. <laughs> you probably would. Summer feats. Do I get that from the summer feet list? That's it, basically, yeah. You've leveled up. up. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Uh, yeah. so, I'm good, thanks. I'm really good, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, been a little while since we spoke, I think. We've had a couple of weeks away. We've got lots to catch up on. You've been places. You've need. been doing things with Funny Shaped Ice again.
0: I have. I was guest of honour at the inaugural Shake-On, the Savage Worlds dedicated UK convention for the first and only time, it seems. But maybe we'll get a second one. It sounds like everybody had a massively good time there. Uh, and yeah, we may yeah. have convinced the organisers to do it again. It was um, held in the garrison, which is now like the gaming mecca of the north where there's at least half a dozen conventions now. I think the, the hotel's basically run by geeky gamers going up and booking their uh, guys out and yeah. uh, rolling their dice up in the function room. But, yeah, really good. So thanks to um, Jordy or Glenn, depending on whether you use your internet name or not, uh, Paul Lawrence and uh, TPK, Tony Parry, those three guys uh, put together a, a convention just basically still so love Savage Worlds and, and playing the game. And with that great venue easily available it was just a matter of putting the feelers out and we got uh, myself as a, a savage fanatic as one of the guests of honor and also uh dave mccaster dpm who runs the uk role Place forum which people should visit if they don't know already um yeah and we, we we got people from up and down the country actually there's a guy flew over from germany from it for it um there's some guys down in bristol who don't normally go to the sheffield cons uh, all kinds of people turned up there's about 35, 40 people, something like that, for a first one, which is pretty good. The same as Seven Hills ad when that started. Uh, and it was all game Savage, so it was really nice to go somewhere and not have to worry about, um, will people know the system, or what system should our players like that? It's all Savage Worlds games. And the good thing was then that the variety came from the different
1: types of settings and stuff that people put on, which was really cool. Mm. So, so for some of our listeners, n- neither of them, may be aware of savage worlds at this point it's, it's it's a system we mention i suppose a lot on the cast don't we about various subjects and what have you but um it's a game that takes up a big part of your life and has done with me as well so i suppose we should give people a bit of an overview of what we're talking about with savage worlds because it might not be top tier in in front of everybody's face on the internet what have you i always think it is but maybe it isn't so um so what's the guided tour mate what's the elevator pitch from the back of the cover you know what what's savage worlds in a nutshell?
0: Well, Savage Worlds is one of those um, toolkit type systems, so it probably sits alongside things like Fate, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, totally different game, but it feels about the same kinds of weight of rules and all the rest of it, uh, and it's easily applicable to lots of settings. As I mentioned at Shake-On, there's all kinds of stuff played there. Um, it does have a little bit of a pulp feel to it or action-adventure. So if you imagine Indiana Jones and that kind of stuff, it probably lends itself better to that than a deep horror game or something of that nature, for example. Mm. Yeah. Um, but originally it came from uh, Deadlands, which people probably know as the Weird West. It's Shane, Lacey, Hensley's, Hensley's even, I can get the words out, um, sort of Weird West Cowboys game. Uh, and he did a system for that. And God love him. There's not many game designers done this. He actually came out at one point when, yeah, that wasn't great, actually. Hmm. I can do better. And he wanted a second swing, and he's published some designer notes, which I think are still out there in internet land. But he went through the steps of how he improved what was his original game into a whole new thing that became not just Deadlands, but the Savage World system itself. So, Fast, Furious Fun is the pitch for it, so you should be having big battles in 20 minutes or less, and that kind of thing. and uh, Lots of uh, lots of action, uh, and uh, the weight of roleplay is really on the players, rather than the system.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay, so, so generic generic stuff got a slight pulp sheen to everything it does I think that's fair to say um and no setting that's i think that's still correct isn't it it doesn't give you a setting it just gives you an implied flavor if ever else. but there are a lot of settings available but the but the book itself which is formatted quite interestingly i think there's still like a little mini kind of digest edition called the Explore edition which is unless I've got their that own, that's still full rules in, in one of the first games to do something about the size of Fate Accelerated, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, So, but that's, that's your rules of the game, which you literally would have beside you as you want to play. But you've got to either bring your own adventures or import one of the big settings that they do many of. I guess we'll talk about those. Um, or grab one of their one sheets or one of the other loads of resources that the company gives you because i think it's fair to say you would never have to do anything of your own with savage if you didn't want to but equally i think one of the reasons you like it without putting words in your mouth is it's so easy to do stuff for yeah absolutely yeah
0: absolutely right so there's tons of fan made resources out there as well um but yeah the one sheets are pretty good That the one side of a4 with a little encounter and, and some background to it and give you a good uh, good seed. Uh, But tons of settings, yeah. And third-party as well, because it's one of those companies that do the generous kind of open license thing to an extent. So you have to kind of get approved from them first and show that you're not a complete Muppet and send Mm -hmm. them some stuff in. But once you get approved, then, yeah, you've got a license to print Savage Games so that there's third-party content, there's Pinnacle stuff themselves, and a ton of people just going out there making games up. Mm. Uh, and the beauty of the system, really, is, is because it's a toolkit system, and that's kind of what you've got to remember, is that um, the the tools to do most things are the sort of games that it's set up for are there, and you don't have to do too much. So the successful settings, in my mind, are the ones that don't do too much extra. You don't mm. really need you know splat books full of hundreds of extra edges or skills or whatever else, really. Um, you've got most of what you need there already there's forms of plus twos and minus ones and whatever other bits and pieces you need to pull in terms of levers, mm. and it's just a matter of putting the flavour over it, so that that applies to stuff like powers as well, which could be superhero powers, or spells or weird science, or whatever it is and they just kind of give you the general flavour, so bolt is a shooting bolts of energy at people, so that could be a magic missile in a d and tag game, or it could be a psionic attack in some kind of supers game, or, or that kind of stuff, so it gives you the general mechanics and then it's up to the player really or buying in a setting to give you the extra bits and pieces around it to make it flavorful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But yeah, his it's, it's real goal is to take away the kind of mechanical heft for you so it's easy to play and do stuff uh, and then that lets everybody including the GM concentrate more on the,
1: how it all looks and feels and uh, bringing the cool shizzle to the game. Mm. Now, I mean, would it be fair to say though I, I don't think it's like a, a light game particularly and everyone's got their own definitions of light to medium crunch, to high crunch. I don't think it's a light game, and it's not just purely narrative and make it all up as you go along. There's a there's a fair amount of crunch to it, and arguably the, the Savage Worlds books is is nothing but crunch from from that perspective. Yeah. Um. But but equally, it's 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 not. I'm trying to think of a really complicated game. Maybe those ones have fallen out of vogue a little bit now. But it's 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 easier than GURPS. Certainly, oh, from yeah. a world building perspective, yeah, um yeah, and you know a, a, a not even d and d, I think perhaps in complexity, although I think no, people I always over exaggerate so. the complexity of d and d but it's it's not that hard, but if you 've played d and d, you'll recognize stats and dice and rolling high and that kind of stuff when you're modifiers it's not a mm-hmm. million miles away from a pretty trad experience,
0: yeah absolutely um and I think it's um it's sort of like a boiled down D anD D or something like that. So, to give an example, I have mentioned the spells and things like that. I hmm. remember playing uh, an intro eventually sell for a, for D anD D, and had a wizard and I had about four spells that were basically the same thing. But one was ice, and one was fire, and one was something else, and they all did a D eight damage or whatever it was. Um, so, in Savage, you just you'd have a bolt that did a D eight, and then how you wanted it to look or feel or whatever. You can do that, and the real gives the robot gives you a little thing about if it's fire, then it might set someone on fire, and whatever else. Um, so there's no need to have a bunch of spells. It'll just it'll just boil them all down into the what what is the core thing that you're doing. Yeah. Well, you've got that, and it and it's that. And uh, you know, if you want to look through uh, lists of cool spells that do slightly different things, then it, it's not necessarily that game. But if you actually just want the meat of what's happening, then it's probably the the right sort of game for it. if you, If you get that sort of mindset to it, that you can describe how things look and feel. It's just giving you the the core mechanic is all there. And you don't need several different ways to do the same thing it'll just give you the, this is how you do this thing move on, get playing cool. kind of
1: thing. and the core mechanic is is really straightforward as core mechanics should be again, you'll tell me I forgot this wrong but you, you are rolling your dice based on your stat or your skill usually and mm. the, your, the magic number you're looking for is 4, so anything above 4 is a success, with exceptions of course and yeah you know the bigger the dice you roll because you could be rolling a d4 or a d6 or a d8 all the way up to 12s i think so you know on a d6 which is a fairly lowly dice you, you should succeed half the time and then again of course you've then got the wild die so things might have changed on that one since i last looked so can you, can you take us through the wild die because that's particularly savage isn't it and makes it not normal gaming <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's because
0: you're um, heroes of the, the setting or the, the world that you're playing in, you get a wild die and most trait rolls, which is most skill and uh, action rolls and that's an extra D6 that you just chuck into anything you're doing and you pick the best die out of the two, either your skill die or your wild die, as it happens to be uh, it just gives you that extra level of comfort and competence as well so you might meet a bunch of mooks uh, and they don't get that so you know a, a typical town guard or a soldier or something might have a D6 fighting which cover the same mm. as yours but because you've got the wild eye you've got that extra level of success so um, to get all mathsy on it if you've got a D6 in fighting and you're a town guard you've got a 50-50 chance of hitting a 4 whereas if you're a wild card and you get the extra D6 you've got a 75% chance of hitting it mm. uh, and then you've also got bennies of course which are like you fate chips or tokens and stuff like that where you can get rerolls, so chuck a reroll in as well and you've got like a 95% chance of getting a 4 plus on your on your 2d6 and then another 2d6 if you have to, so one of the core bits about the system is your characters are pretty competent even with relatively low skills because of that wild eye effect mm. uh, and it's probably worth noting as well that in the dice you world explode so you get some uh, funky results so some people don't like it too much because really wild and wacky things can happen sometimes but I quite like it uh, and that's if you roll a 6 on your d6 or an 8 on your d8 or whatever it may be you keep rolling and add it to the previous score and as long as you keep rolling the maximum of dice you keep rolling up so in the Hellfrost game we had um, or that I ran at on for example there was one uh, avenging Finno Nomad. So if you imagine the reindeer people up in Siberia or something like that that have been pushed south by this hellish uh, supernatural evil and cold uh, she was out to kill people and those dice kept exploding all game it was you know basically you know Several of the counters you might as well have not had any other party members there. She thrust this long spear through cryo hydras and all sorts that just fell before her blade, purely because of the you know, the, the super ace rolls that she get rolling, which you know is part of the what makes the system seem heroic on that particular character to be a complete beast. It's just the the extra boost you get from dice rolling up occasionally,
1: or a lot in that case. Yeah. Uh, listen, I've have ne- never known anybody not love maxing out on a dice, whether it be a crit in your D and D games or anything else like that. And and even even as the GM, when you go, you you hit the fella four dice rolls ago. Stop rolling. Nobody <laughs> wants to stop rolling until you know if you've got like the world record for a D six. And you've got to keep going, haven't you? Really? You have. Yeah, have. Yeah. Well, you don't I mean, have to keep going because I mean the rules don't force you to do that, do they? Because I, I think damage is is handled. In a similar way as well, uh, but there's raises and wounds because it's not hit points in the traditional sense, is it? You have got wound levels.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, and it's that it's that thing with all skill challenges, but it works in combat as well. That if you get four or more of your target number, that counts as a raise. So if you were pumping someone for information, you get extra information, that kind of stuff for getting a raise. and in combat, you get extra damage. Uh, and then you compare whatever you're your damage to someone's toughness and they might either be shaken which is the controversial rule or, or take wounds and you can take so many wounds before basically you're down and out and running on an injury table and might might mm. die but generally speaking characters can no be saved from the brink and that kind of stuff mm. so it's not quite as lethal as a as, you know a static hit point so once they're out you're dead kind of system you've got a bit more uh, a bit more robustness and those bennies i mentioned earlier you can roll those to to try and suck wounds, so you can call it some crazy excuse why you didn't actually get stabbed in the head, or whatever it might be. Um, but again, it requires a roll, and the more wounds you take, and the more raises you'll have to get to clear it, and that sort of stuff. So once you get you know, your idea around target numbers and some raises and a four plus, it, it all sort of links in together. It's
1: got a great internal logic to it all. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you you mentioned shaken, mate. So <laughs> this this is uh, when I first read it, I thought it was great and I played it and thought it was great I, I don't have particularly an issue with the shaken rule at all but as you say it has attracted some controversy and has gone through a change fairly recently mm. in a game that oh when did Savage come out is, is it more than a decade old at this point surely yeah, so, yeah. uh, and the shaken rule is has been there since the beginning it's fundamental it's one of the things that makes Savage savage so so what's up with the shaken rule mate how does that work and, and what have they done to it recently that's that's made it uh, hopefully better and what's your opinion on that because you, you would have used it yeah yeah of course
0: um, so Shaken is the way I explain it in games it's like at the start of Saving Private Ryan where he's got off the beach and Tom Hanks is kind of staggering around there's kind of that whistling noise in his ears he can't quite hear I see what's going on where he hunkers down behind some tank traps it's that kind of bit where you're not actually physically wounded but it just takes your character out of the fight for a little bit maybe you duck from cover or maybe you have to steal yourself or maybe you've just been smacked around the head and seen stars or whatever it is so that's the kind of effect it is, which I quite like, because it's the you've been tagged by the enemy, but you're not taking wounds or you don't have to knock your points off. It just gives you a bit of an effect. So that's pretty cool. Uh, where some people don't like it is they can get stuck in inverted camera's Shaken Hell, which is where, is where the name for the convention came from in On as, as in a, a play on Shaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to Hell. But um, it normally really only becomes a problem, to be fair, when you've got lots of wounds. So each wound you've got gives you a minus one so if you've taken three wounds which is the most you can take before you start rolling all that hideous incapacitating table uh, you've got minus three to all your rolls which suddenly makes getting a four means you've got to get a seven uh, and, and so forth so that gets really tough Yeah. Um, generally you've got bennies which are used to get re-rolls or, or clear things that's fine but again by the time you've taken three wounds you've probably spent all your bennies trying to soak stuff and soak the wounds so you didn't take them in the first place so at that point you've got minus three to everything and you're shaken so I can't really act until you rolled the seven or more on your, your spirit or whatever to recover your wits but probably the bit where people are confused by it or don't get it, it feels like when you're being asked to make roles to recover and do something that you should be able to do something because the GM's asking you and saying "Okay, mm. make your spirit roll, and then you can act and you can get involved again but if you read the book actually, three wins, you're screwed you're know, your mm. are hanging out and you're crawling about and you can, you can mumble a few words and that sort of thing so it's probably a perception thing that when you've taken that many wounds and you're shaken, that means you're on death door basically, mm-hmm. you lying burbling in the gutter. So you shouldn't. As long as a player's not got an expectation, they can then you know still act in the fight like they're on one hit point out of a hundred, and it doesn't matter. It's, it's not that kind of game. Once you've been beaten to that extent, you should be really just trying to find somewhere to hide and get yourself out of the trouble, really more than anything.
1: So, but if you got the, if you got the shaken condition, what can you do in your go? Nothing. Uh, nothing until you clear it. So, right, right.
0: um, there's a, there's a couple of things you can do. First is uh, the old rule used to be that you had to make a spirit roll, uh, and if you succeeded, uh, you get a four plus, then you can act. Uh, sorry, then you clear the condition, and if you get a raise, a an eight or more, then you can act as well. Yeah. And of course, wounds apply and all the rest of it. Uh, but that made it quite tough. So quite often, what happened happen is someone would get hit, but not too hard, and get shaken, and on their go, they would clear it by getting success. And then the buddies have a go and shake them again. And then you end up in this endless cycle of you curve your wits and someone smacks you around the head with a sword and then you shake it again, which right. is no fun for anyone because you're not actually engaging with the game at that point. Mm. Um, so you can just spend a Benny to clear the condition. You can go, I don't want it anymore. There's a Benny. Okay. So so that's one thing. Uh, but the rule change that have made that you mentioned is that now if you get any success at all, i.e., four plus, then you clear the condition and you can act as well. Right. So it's, it's Cut down basically on the amount of time people are in a role playing game, but can't get to do anything because of this weird condition they've got going on. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So okay. now there's a lot less of people sat around not doing anything, basically, which I think makes everyone happy because we, you know, we here to play a game and do stuff, not sit out of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and that's that's a function sort of the boiling down that that Savage Worlds does with with stuff. So uh, if I'm playing D and D of of any late edition, I'll have a list of at least a dozen different conditions that monsters will apply to, 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 you might be dazed, you might be stunned, you might be all kinds of different things, staggered, um, confused, loads of different things. And they will all have slightly different effects, but like you said about the magic, if you boil it down, it makes you shit for a go. That's basically (laughs) what it's trying to do. So shaken is just doing that, isn't it? So the Saving Private Ryan thing is bang on, but of course, you at the table, you will be describing what shaken means. Shaken is a rules term. What it means in the story can be totally dependent. You could be in so sword, sword, you could be staggered, you could just black out for a couple of minutes. It just basically means you're take you're staggered, and you're taking some time out. A couple of seconds happens in films all the time in those kind of fast furious combats, but I kind of get I get why people were getting a little bit cheesed off with it because. If you're playing a combat in a role playing game, it doesn't move as fast as a Jason Bourne fight. It just doesn't. <laughs> no, really and and, and <laughs> you know, I wish it did. A couple of seconds out for Jason Bourne, it can be ten minutes in real life. Is that fair mm. to say, or is that exaggeration? You know, by the time you go round, depending on the speed, it- you've got the table.
0: Well, well, it can be, and I think one of the, one of the arts of running Savage Worlds, if I may be so bold, I've been running it for quite some time now. Well, since it came out, basically, um, is that you've got to be quick around the table as well. It's supposed mm. to be fast, furious, fun. So, you know, people should be thinking about what they're going to do next. they should in any role playing game, to be honest. Yes, you should be worked until you go before you decide what to do. Um, but you can you can smash around people really easily, and uh, Savage is good for having extras, which like can be allies on your side, which aren't wild cards. So, they just get d sixes. Well, mm. if you've got, for example, you know, uh, five crew on your pirate ship with you as well, don't roll like five 1d6s individually and decide who's going to target what and all the rest of it. Just chuck 5d6 and then made five attacks. It's that kind of ethos of the game. It's like, you know, just throw dice and get on with it and move round. Mm. So, ideally, if you're playing Savage as it's intended, and you can play how you want, but if you play it as you're intended, then you whip round the table quite quickly. Um, the initiative systems cards, which I think I don't I mentioned yet. Um, no, it's so not, and that's designed to support that speed, isn't it? Exactly. So you have a standard deck of cards, a couple of jokers in there. Uh, you deal them out, and there's, there's some edges, which I think we'll have to mention, like advantages, that give, might give you more or a different tweak on it, but basically you get a card in front of it, and you go on that card. So it goes aces to twos, and it goes in reverse alphabetical order of suits. So spades goes first, and clubs goes last. Uh, but if you slap a lot of cards, especially the high-def ones on the table with the big icons on, you can see who's going is next, and then players can sort of plan what they're going to do based on when the buddies are going to go, if the mate's going to go before them so they can get them to help them out, or that kind of thing. Uh, and it's all there visible so everybody knows what's happening. And it gives a bit of the control of the flow of what's happening in the fight to everyone at the table because they can see what's unfolding and who's next. And mm. if you if you get a player to control the cards as well and don't do that as an activity as a gym, it gives you a bit more freedom to just do the interaction and move things along and let someone else worry about hoovering up cars and shuffling and whatever else they need to do. Yeah. So, you know, that that's all really good. Uh, and there's little touches like if you get a joke and you get plus two and all your actions that turn, so everybody cheers and you know thinks it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's setting rules that you can have as well. me. this podcast is going to go on for a long time actually now i have thought about it. But yeah, so <laughs> you, can, you can have setting rules like joke as well which I think one of the guys, or at least one guy used the weekend. Uh, whereas every time a joker comes up, all the players get a Benny. So, you know, you've got more fake okay. chips and, and life to spend. And I think there was just happened to be a time where when a joker comes up, you shuffle as well. And there was, they said in one of his games, it was like every round a joker came up. So there's just people with stacks of these fake chips in front of them, basically. So yeah. you could do whatever they wanted and try multiple attacks and crazy stunts and extra difficulty stuff because they just had Benny's galore because they kept getting jokers and pluses mm. to all their actions. So, but all that did was lead to loads of players having fun and doing loads of cool stuff because they're empowered by this sort of mechanic that's giving them more stuff to do things with you know
1: yeah you don't need to be risk averse do you I mean we talked about yeah. how shaken is a bad thing to be but you don't have to be afraid of being that because you're a larger than life hero not necessarily yeah. massively larger than life but you're as competent as I don't know Indiana Jones, maybe yeah, not even that. But you know, can the, you can act Jason Bourne. Maybe is I've used that as an example already. You cool. know, but you are not you are not like someone out of Tinker Taylor. You you are no. in a you are in a Michael Bay movie probably. Yeah, <laughs> He's probably yeah. gming your life. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and. T-
0: I think one of my top tips I gave from the podcast recently, which I always do, if, if you're running a Savage game at conventions, make it a seasoned character or both. So give the character some advances. Don't start people off at novice. And that applies to other games as well. I'm sure you've done that playing D&D. You don't yep. give everybody a first-level character, do you? You start at like no, level four no, or something, no, which no, just is much no. more interesting.
1: Yeah, certainly um, for a one-shot. And, 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 I, and I guess we'll come on to that as to like you know how Savage Worlds, where it shines, where it does good stuff. Um but no, but that's all very clever stuff, mate. And uh, and it's very visual as well. And and everything we've just talked about as well actually goes into a part of the game. I don't know how much this has been developed. I don't know how much of this happened at your convention over the weekend. But it's not a game with a grid. So it's not a minis game like, um, like Pathfinder would be or something like that. But it absolutely can work and encourages the use of minis. And you can go right up to skirmishes or, you know, small battles and you're still playing a role-playing game, but you might have a squad of six commandos with you, which yeah. in any other game you would avoid putting six commandos with a party, <laughs> for no matter how much the players wanted it, because it's just it's just difficult and onerous, and nobody gets the spotlight. But Savage Worlds, if you don't have six commandos with you, you've probably done something wrong. So, <laughs> is is oh. mini- was miniatures on the table? Did that get a go? Uh, it, it was a mix. You know
0: what? I, I really liked on for lots of reasons apart from just playing Savage Worlds. There, there's, mm. there's a ton of stuff happened. um Like In one game it was really good because there was a guy saying like I've never played Savage Worlds before. I thought well that's brave because you're <laughs> going to be playing five games with it at this company. <laughs> Hope you like it. <laughs> uh, but it turned out he'd actually GMed you know for years running Savage Worlds, but he'd never actually got to play it, so that was ah, like right. Okay, yeah. And he was super nervous about being a player. We were just all like, Don't worry about it, mate. You know how the rules work and everything, so just like be yourself and do your stuff. You know, he's great. Um, but yeah, some gems like using the, the maps and miniatures and stuff like that. Uh, I personally don't. I use Thees of the Mind, maybe a sketch map, I'll check out mm-hmm. occasionally. Uh, but uh, yeah, some guys went crazy, so. Uh, played in one of Geordie's games which was like one of those uh, old black and white samurai movie type things with the blind swordsman and the one-armed boxer and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And he had a big sort of like uh, fold away sheet that he kept bringing out for various locales and the first Mm -hmm. one was a pub Uh, and it was like, you know when you walk into well, westernizing it, it's when you walk in a pub and there's loads of cowboys already there, that kind of thing. It was was Mm -hmm. one of them. And there's two factions clearly, but then he proceeded to play out like 25 miniatures or something or, or more <laughs> as he put down all these bandits all around the place and then the wild cards and then there's some more there, upstairs it's like, wow, that's quite a lot. Mm. Uh, for me, that was probably a little bit overkill because you did up with quite a lot of pieces that you were sort of ticking through and it became a little bit of a you know, a grind if you know what I mean, to kill so many bodies. But it, the system handled it, which which is probably mm. the good bit. Um, and I know in one of his other games, which he did quite well he's um I think it was on a space station or something. I didn't play in it. I just got to see it. Uh, so we had a cake stand on multiple mm. levels. So you had the different levels. So there was a 3D map, you know what I mean? So people going up and down wow. and elevators and stuff. So that was really cool, because as a, a bit of a chase around the space station, you can kind of see where everybody is and what locale they're at. And There's none of this thing you get a theater of the mind where people teleport between locations, because it sounds more mm-hmm. interesting where the other guy is. You You could kind of see where people were, but yeah a, a real mix some people really embrace the kind of maps and mini's angle uh, and some people are a bit more like me and just go well we'll you know we'll do a bit of the sketch if we need it, but otherwise let's uh, let's go theater of the mind
1: yeah you see I, I really like the minis aspect um not not just for like you know having a fight with some goblins in a dungeon room because I'd probably go theater of the mind with that as as many people do, but the idea of playing um something with Huey's and guys in Vietnam and squad level stuff um and actually be able to play that out in a, in a proper role playing game, but without it turning into just a miniatures battle that would take all night to do a combat, yeah. because the load on the GM is really really minimal, isn't it? And yeah. we'll get to GMing in a minute. But if you're if you're not a wild card and you're a miniature on the table, like you know, so you're a Viet Cong grunt, something like that. Your miniature is either up on its side or off the table, which yeah. replicates the wound system perfectly, and so on. So it's very visual. Your wild cards can have little poker chips underneath them to represent wounds. It's on an index card. You've got playing cards for initiative. It doesn't feel like, you know, the the biggest critics of D D Fourth Edition would say you go from a free form role-playing game to a board game back to a free form role-playing game as you go in and out of combat. Savage right, is it. pretty slick, isn't it? You know, you yeah. can go in and out of that to quite really big stuff that you wouldn't attempt. You wouldn't attempt it with Feng Shui. You wouldn't attempt it with, with even Pendragon. I know that's got mass battle rules, but that's going to get abstracted really quickly, isn't it? Yeah. In Savage Worlds, you can put that in your game if you want to, and you shouldn't be afraid of like aliens against marines and all of that kind of stuff. So I think from a GM's perspective, do you find that when you're writing Savage, you can, you can put scenes or plot points into your game that you wouldn't do with other systems because of its versatility? a leading question I guess but... <laughs> uh,
0: yes yes very yes I do excellent answer
2: <laughs> The Smart Party are raising funds to help with the running costs of the show we use Patreon which is kind of like a modern magic item that turns you into a connoisseur of all that is good in gaming to show your support just to head over to patreon.com slash the smart party you can donate a dollar a credit a copper piece or a fiver per month It all goes into the portable hole of web hosting costs and helps us look after you every month with new smart party content. Patreons get a big thanks from us, some backer-only goodies as and when, and the warm, confident glow of the just and righteous to help you sleep at night. Join the smart party at patreon.com today and tell all your friends tomorrow. Cheers!
0: Yeah, from a GM point of view, it's dead easy to have that kind of uh, extra level of uh, buddies on the board to make it it seem more exciting. Mm. Knowing full well that the players are going to get through them all, uh, mm. and the, the more you pack on the table, then the longer it's going to take to get through them. But you don't have to be too worried about having a band of twenty orcs or something, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because everybody's quite straightforward, you can have a bit of a variety. Um So in the Hellfrost game, I had uh, an attack on this this ship, and there was a big bunch of snow orcs, uh, and then there was a polar bear rider and uh, a big ogre being prodded by an ogre herd and a chieftain uh, and smells mm-hmm. I think uh, and, but because the system itself is quite simple for them all uh, that was easily manageable I can't imagine doing that on Earthdom, for example nope. Nope. Uh, which you know is God's own game but mm. you know, the, the amount of tables well, that would be a whole night <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe uh, a, a couple it nights Savage it was dead easy and you kind of had the five players and then they have five extras as well they have five creammen on the ship who, who did mm. their own thing as well uh, and there's a, a little neat bit for extras so if you get uh, an edge edges and hindrances are advantages and disadvantages basically your characters will have, uh, and there's an edge which is followers so you get five dudes or, or dudettes who hang around with you and do your stuff uh, and one of the characters had five crew for their ship uh, and one thing you can do with allies is just run a little table, it's really simple and the OSR does this kind of stuff and various other games, but it just had 20 different personality traits and uh, you roll a dice and that gives you a, a 1 a one word thing about that character mm-hmm. so you give him a name you give them one trait uh, and the stats are a d6 and everything that's important uh, and you're kind of done uh, but those traits sort of like come out and you'll always find that one extra seems to survive you're like roll randoms to see which one got hit mm-hmm. by the thrown mm-hmm. axe or whatever but the one that just seems to get away with it or always kills the bad guy or whatever it is yeah. something about them and a little bit of personality and, and excitement comes out of them and then you sort of get really protective and don't want them to die mm-hmm I think in the Hellfrost it was um it's it's kind of a Nordic setting, Nordic fantasy. So it's like Siaxwolf or something like that was the name, but that like almost instantly became Sex Wolf. And then, <laughs> then before you know it, you've kind of got this pole dark figure stripped to the waist, like you know, in the icy waist, with his long jet like hair flowing and cobblestone stomach and stuff. You know nothing, um, Sexwolf. Wolf. <laughs> but it all came from like one word and one trait, and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, this really great sort of bit of extra character hanging around the ship and you know, he never had to go first into the village to investigate anything like that. He was the protected extra, even though, you know, functionally he's no different than anybody else that they had on the crew. He just became the, the one that was clearly going to survive and be rooting yeah. for kind of thing, but yeah. Uh, yeah. just a nice little touch. And that's something you can port to other games as well. It's just, you need to be playing a system that can handle having the extra characters hanging around and it not be too much of an head to roll dice for them.
1: Well, yeah, lots of games purport to be able to to give you henchmen and hirelings and retainers or squaddies there aren't that many games that make it easy to do you know you you can pick in some games character classes where their shtick is to have loads of hangers on maybe uh, apocalypse world you could like have a biker gang stuff like that and apocalypse world does pretty well with it considering but most other games you would actually after half an hour of this this is an awful lot of overhead for the player let alone for the gm you know it's like oh man alive this is actually harder work than i thought it was going to be can i lose that benefit please so yeah, but you know, Savage Savage is really good for that, it, and and these extras don't hog the spotlight. They just tend to get promoted because they're fun to be with Whereas yeah. other hirelings. Either hog the spotlight, or you just get fed up with them and you end up ghosting them, and they never get a personality. They're just torchbearers. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. It's I guess whether you like that or not, it's sort of like if you played Halo, the computer games. There's, there's a bit in. In those, you end up getting some extra marines, and you're like, oh, mm. great, some extra dudes who about the crash. I don't know, most people who play the game, as in just wanting to play the game, don't care about them and use them as meat shields. Uh, but because they've got voice actors and they can't make some funny lines, yeah. I try and keep them all alive you know, at the expense <laughs> of my own life to try and protect yes. these little dudes, because they're funny to have around, you know. Yeah. So it depends which, line of the, which side of the line you fall on. If you think that that's, you know, uh, amusing or, or worth having in the game, then them, and if you're just going to use them as meat shields, then Hard to be done or be aware that you need to up your buddies so that some of them get get, die through attrition, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nobody wants to see Fernandez get it in the face, do they? No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Sex wolf needs protecting. (laughs) Okay, right. So, generic in some ways, sort of a toolkit game, but. Toolkit games, that might sound a bit frightening to people. I've had a few toolkit games I've bought before, thinking this is going to mean I never have to buy any more games because now I've got a toolkit game, I can do everything. Mm. But some toolkit games, well, the bit you don't realize straight away is that means you've got to build something. And then that yeah. becomes prep and then that becomes hard work. And and I have spent good money on GURP source books before to run a science fiction game that's going to be exactly the one I want and then six months later I haven't actually generated a PC yet because I'm still building with my toolkit so with Savage how much effort is it to pick up the game and get a game going realistically
0: oh dead easy Uh, yeah I love making characters with Savage I do it all the time so that that bit's quite straightforward Um, in the deluxe explorers edition which is kind of like the current iteration of the rules there's a couple of little adventures in the back Mm. to give you an idea you can do that um there's rules for creatures and creature abilities. So it depends how involved you want to get in reading through them to give people funky stuff. I think when you mm-hmm. start, you just give you know some decent-looking dice to your creature and see how that goes. Um, but then you can add in abilities later on. But the, the creature abilities or the, the, that sort of section does tell you that um, you don't have to build them like you're building player characters. Just give your your baddies whatever you think they need to do whatever it is they're doing, really. Mm-hmm. So if you've got an enemy pirate captain who's the you know the, the nemesis of one of your player characters, don't worry about fully stacking them out to veteran level or something like this. Just sort of say, well, he's probably got DH and everything, and he'll have a D10 intimidate because he's the baddie, and mm-hmm. I'm going to give him this edge and that edge because they sound quite cool. Uh, and that's pretty much all you need to go with. All the pirates can be extras, uh, and that's probably a decent encounter in there, just, just straight away. Um, and there's, you know, there's a bunch of stats for like, creatures and, and standard monsters and stuff just in the basic book. So getting going and having some opponents is relatively straightforward. And because the player characters are relatively robust, unless you go over the top on your numbers compared to their numbers, mm. you would expect them to get away with it you know, and survive. Uh, and not, you, know, you won't be crushing your players and thinking, I don't know how to run this game. The only worry, of course, is that exploding dice mechanics so you can get a lonely goblin that takes someone's head off just by rolling lots of sixes on D6 out of nowhere. But um, in general, in terms of setup, um, absolutely easy. And, and on the pinnacle side, as we've mentioned, they've got their one-sheet adventures. So there's tons of examples of the sort of thing you would have uh, to get going with. It's probably worth noting, though, that to my mind, a lot of the pinnacle adventures are too tough in terms of the, the Rambo series. What they say okay. is opposition, I think, is outrageous. But I don't okay. Other people don't, so I don't know how I play my games compared to others. I'm uh, ruthlessly accused of not giving out enough pennies, so maybe that's the problem. Mm. Um, but yeah, you look at some of the stats for the opponents, and then they have like three extras per player character as well, uh, just by a low of averages. There's going to be a lot of D60s that get rolled up and a lot of danger for the PC. So. Mm. Um, it, it'll take a little bit of a go to get used to. It. You, you kind of get a feel for the balance after a while, but yeah, in terms of getting set up, there's tons of resources already out there, and it's it's dead simple in terms of just give give your buddies or your creatures the things that you think they might have or need, and don't worry mm. about you know points by or anything like
1: that, or trying to get it too balanced. Just give them some funky stuff and get going, and it normally works out. Gotcha. And for, and from a world building perspective as well, this is not the sort of game where you worry about. Overland travel distances and and knocking off rations and that kind of level of resource management, or you know you don't have to model physics. It's going to be a bit more pulpy, isn't it? A bit more Kong Skull Island that kind of thing. So yeah. you know you've got you've got your you've got your edges and hindrance is it hindrances for that's, the the dis- yeah. that's it for dysfunction again. So that can model most of the kind of like you know the 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 pulpy elements that you're going to need in it and you know your world building is going to be as simple as saying let's play a musketeers game and you can rely on people's basic knowledge of what that means to get you by and and your game won't suffer at all from that and will probably benefit from that really rather than you know because i I remember the thing i the thing i tried to build for a space game was something that was quite high tech and Probably in advance of what you could reach at the top end of a traveler tech level, so it would have like teleportation and nano technology, that kind of stuff. I tried building it in GURPS, and, and GURPS will absolutely do it. I'm sure it would have been great, but but it was a it was like writing a dissertation, a fun one, <laughs> but there was a lot of moving parts, and I wanted to get it right. Whereas I suspect if I just said to people, "Let's play savage sci-fi," and the technology level is kind of equivalent to Star Trek, we'd be off and playing. And I'd have saved yeah. six months of effort. Is that fair to say, mate? Can you do that? Can you get, get into your campaign that quickly?
0: I definitely think you can. The game does bear um, some experience, though. So we've mentioned edges and hindrances, and, and specifically hindrances. There's some of those which actually give you mechanical effects. Like okay. uh, you're mean, so you get minus two to charisma because you've just mm-hmm. got that bad disposition. Uh, or it might be something like you're overconfident which there's no actual rule for it. So it's up to you as GM and players to decide what that means. Right. Uh and then you know so there can sort of be a source for your um for getting more Bennies out the GM, basically. So if you're overconfident you might put yourself deliberately in danger as a player and expect to get a Benny off the GM, but like how often mm. you do that whatever is sort of like a matter of taste. Uh, whereas if you're me, you just get minus two to charisma, like how often do you get a Benny from the GM for that? I don't know. Again mm. it's a bit of balance. So you can get going, but there's there's a quite a bit with the system where you need to kind of think how does this work for us and, and what's an appropriate thing, you know Sure. You could you could have a hindrance like Big Mouth so you give away secrets all the time Well, if every time you have a social account and someone just blabs and expects a Benny for it they're not really, you know I, I don't feel like that's worthy of getting bennies all the time mm. uh, and it's just a lever someone's pulling to get advantages in the game, so there's going to be real consequences to it, but there's not a lot of guidance rules-wise for what you would do about that it's just like you're expected to be big mouth overconfident whatever it is so there's a, a little bit around that where you've kind of got to get a feel for yourselves as a group as to how often you give out bennies for stuff for being mm. disadvantaged or you know what is the disadvantage when you've got him hindrance that doesn't have a, a minus two attached to it and what, what's the effect of that um so there's a little bit of that going on uh, and then it, things are also there's like quite a bit of um, extra rules hidden within the rules, almost, or or mm-hmm. you can sort of think of ways of using them, uh, which you might not get initially. So something like your Star Trek game that you mentioned, uh, if people are shooting phases at each other, then you expect them to most people to die, I would think, or yeah, get, guess, don't know whatever yeah, it is, yeah. or you know, I would think the onus would be more on getting out of the way of it than trying to suck it up, or you know, hoping mm. that you've got armour that protects you in somewhere because that's unlikely. So. There's little sci fi rules around having force fields and stuff, but assuming you haven't got dip, that sort of thing, there's um like powers like that do um spray effects, and basically you roll to hit and then your opponent rolls agility to see if you dodge out of the way. So that immediately in my head, when you said you know Star Trek, that's the first thing I thought of was like, well, right. okay, I'd make it an opposed agility versus shooting because in Star Trek, they generally like dive behind tables or whatever to avoid phase phaser rather than try and face it down. So mm-hmm. I'd use that rule. But there's not anything in Savage Worlds which says if you're using, you know, Star Trek phases, then maybe approach it this way. So there's a little bit of playing the game and, and working out what abilities there are and what tools there are, and then you can sort of think to yourself,
1: how would I apply them in the sort of game I want to run? Right. So uh, the the powers section is not just spells, although they can be spells. They are they can also be advanced technology, depending on the campaign world that you want to have. Their advanced technology or psionics or anything that's above the norm that's that's the chapter that you put new adjectives and nouns all over it but you use the same underlying engine and it gives you the universe you want
0: that's that's kind of how i go for it yeah i mean you don't have to have powers at all necessarily but um yeah uh, and there's, there's different arcane backgrounds they call them but there's different ways of handling it so the core system itself has powerpoints generally although you can go powerpointless so it depends how you want to go. If you're playing more of a D&D game where you have a certain number of spells, you probably want to keep the power points. Uh, if you play a game like Hellfrost, where um, there's potentially a cost because uh, of the nefarious background that something might happen to you, you might get siphoning if you use too much power because there's dangerous, mysterious things in the world, uh, then that'd be a different way of doing it. But if you roll a 1 on your spellcasting die, something bad might happen to you, that sort of thing. But otherwise, you're mm-hmm. unlimited. You can cast your spells as many times as you want. Um, so there's different ways of approaching the powers depending on how you want to set them up. And it might be that you get backlash or that something bad happens on a one or that you have power points or that you don't or, or whatever. But it's that kind of pulleys and levers things again that you get a bit of feel for
1: how you want to set it up in your game. Gotcha. Right, so you said Hellfrost about 20 times then. So, <laughs> so we we might need a bit more. It's, it's not a game that I know very much for setting that I know very much. But what I do know about Savage is it's got an awful lot of settings some third party uh, loads of fan material because when it first came out it was seen as a really good game for doing conversions and hacks and there was star wars savage Worlds straight out of the gate all of that kind of stuff Mm. hellfrost is one of the the professional jobs right so so what's hellfrost all about
0: well hellfrost is from triple ace games so it's written by a wiggy i think used to write for pinnacle uh, or mm-hmm. certainly freelance for him. Um, uh, but him and a couple of the guys have got their own company, now, so they've got their own little stable. Hellfrost is a Nordic fantasy setting with this hellfrost, uh, like a supernatural frost that's coming down from the north uh, and uh, freezing everything over and pushing all the population south. So there's there's less and less grasslands, uh, uh, lots more badness going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's basically a fancy game, but with some Nordic stuff thrown in there. So, you kind of, your dwarves live under the mountains, but they've got white hair and blue skin and speaking whispers. And I've shot like black beady eyes uh, and it, a bit more kind of the Nordic feel than the classic Tolkien sort of feel, I guess. Although it is still very fantasy in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just one of their settings. They've also got, um, you mentioned Musketeers, Regime Diabol- Diabolique, which is a kind of Musketeers, but with some supernatural stuff in the background, uh, and all kinds of other settings, actually. Uh, and then you've got. The core pinnacle stuff. So they've got Deadlands, which we mentioned, Hell on Earth, the kind of uh, sort of Mad Max sort of after the bombs dropped kind of version, um, uh, and all kinds of games and properties that've been licensed. Really, it's quite quite um, what's the word? Eclectic. There we go. Mm. <laughs> there's lots of them. Um, uh, See, so you've got stuff like Slipstream, which is um, sort of Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon type stuff, uh, and there's another setting that's something called Sun Skies, where um, the world has exploded basically so you've got just chunks of rock with bits of fortress on or house floating through this weird ether and you go from bit of ruined world to ruined world trying to scavenge things wherever else and the elves are the bad guys Um, there's sort of like this military force trying to take over the the world such as it is and its shattered remains all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff to be honest there's sci-fi settings
1: um, historical ones all kinds of stuff yeah and weird and wonderful is, is a good phrase actually because what Savage doesn't do is it doesn't just give you. There's some companion books if you want to just have a science fiction game and you want more tools to do it with, but they don't give you the space book. They don't give you the horror book. They don't give you the Wild West. They give you weird and wonderful at the same time. Yeah. So I think initially it was like take your favourite settings, stick a couple of zombies in it, and it was probably replicated somewhere in savage worlds because they seem to love a zombie (laughs) they do love a zombie (laughs) they do love a zombie and that was before we reached peak zombie so i think (laughs) savage got there first but my favorite setting is one of the really really early ones which was 50 fathoms i can't remember if it predates pirates of the caribbean or whether it was contemporaneous with it um but that's basically what it is it's a fantasy version of pirates of the caribbean um, where you've got krakens and you've got like sirens and, and your Captain Jack Sparrows and supernatural zombie monkeys, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and that, that was super cool. But one of the coolest things about it, I think one of the things that Savage World certainly set out to do, it's worth talking about whether they followed through on this or not, is the idea of a plot point campaign. Um, and plot point campaigns, the idea there is that you've got what these days would be called an adventure path, I suppose, But you've got a campaign that takes you from zero to hero, so all the way through a nice story with a big epic run behind it. But that's seeded along the way with kind of big set pieces, but then it gets way more open and has lots of little sort of like one-shot encounters and tables you can roll on as a GM and side quests. And then you come back to the plot a little bit to a kind of a crossroads from there. And it was was definitely with Fifty Fathoms, I got the impression that I was... I was given a really useful book as a GM where it wouldn't take much prep to rock up for that night, but I would have some really good set pieces, some climactic battles or some really serious interactions. But equally, if the players wanted to go left and the campaign suggested right, that's not a problem either. And everything linked together really nicely and and with very little effort on my part. So just like the rules, I could just focus on delivering flavour. And the story was, was... It helped me go from A to B to C without having to study. And I love that about Fifty Fathoms. And I know that they've done plot points for other settings as well. But I think for a really early book it, it set the tone on what those could be. Have, yeah. have there been more since, mate? Have you have you done any yourself? Um, I think Fifty Fathoms
0: was and is the gold standard, to be fair. Wow, um, okay. I, <clears throat> I've far from got all the books that there are out there. Um... But yeah, the, the plot points settings I've seen haven't been as good. Um, I, I didn't particularly get on with Space 1889, for example, which the setting mm. you'd think I'd love, but the way it was written is that quite a lot of the background was in the plot points, and uh, they referred to it before you got there. so yeah. You kind of had to read the book, but in an odd order to try and work out what was going on with it, so it didn't really feel great. Whereas I didn't really feel that with 50 Fathoms, I felt right from the off I knew what was going on to a degree. And kind of got into it and, and got on with it. You know what I mean. You could just mm. like encounter things as you found them, but it didn't. It wasn't jarring, or you weren't uh, lacking for ideas about what might be happening. Sure. Um, so there may well be some of the good ones that I'd love for either of our listeners to post in and let me know if there are some great ones out mm. there because uh, I, I feel I'm missing them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really funny actually. Fifty fathoms was created because um, it's a bit of the drowned world, isn't it? Which mm. the whole world's under fifty fathoms of water, uh, and I think. Uh, when they wrote it originally, they didn't realise how big a fathom was, and it's only when they looked it up, that it's like, you know, it's a couple of feet or whatever it is, so six feet is it, I can't remember, yeah, so it was, it, it was yeah. actually like, yeah, the world's under 300 feet of water, which isn't that bad, you know, but I think they were thinking <laughs> originally they were thinking 20,000 leagues, under the sea or something, and ended up with like a bit more of a puddle,
1: so yeah, I live in East Anglia, 300 feet is <laughs> <are> really bad
0: <laughs> but that then lended itself to some interesting ideas in the setting that, you know, you're, you're selling around, and you can see like um, cities beneath you or something like that where you know you scrape mm. the top of a building because it's that close to the top of the, 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 uh, the water trailer so it, it's fun and, and that's I think some of the, the kind of part of the ethos behind a lot of the settings is they, they they do some stuff and then they they go back and look at it and go oh well that's quite interesting so what about this and what about that and just and chuck more ideas in yeah. so I encourage you to do that as a GM as well it's really about kind of like come up with some good ideas
1: and throw them in there and because you've got a toolkit system you can kind of support whatever it is you want to do really yeah, and, and that came from you know the the grounding of that company Pinnacle was in Deadlands among other games, which was the Weird West, not the Wild West. Yeah. So you know if if you haven't looked up Deadlands, check it out. Go and look online. It's a it's a brilliant conceit for Wild West gaming just generally. And I followed that up with Hell on Earth, which as you say is post apocalyptic, and then Lost Colony, which is set in space as well. Really uh, lurid, almost camp settings where it's like not kitchen sink. But more like, can we? Is it? Is, can we stick a cherry and a pineapple slice on top of this setting? <laughs> it, it, they're almost o- over the top, aren't they? Nearly. Yeah. yeah, 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 There's, but they're not gonzo. I wouldn't call them gonzo settings. I would just say they were colourful settings, and it is a fine line. I know it is, but you know, Savage Wells games can absolutely go gonzo, and God knows they've done a setting where you can play like a irradiated Twinkie. So <laughs> I'm not writing it off as a possibility. But I, I just like that there's. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to see. It's a really good settings to be tourists in, and and the setting comes and grabs you by the lapels and presses you against a wall and asks you to do something. Yes. And 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 that if you if you do nothing but read Savage World settings, you think that's almost boring after a while. But there are a lot of there are a lot of game worlds for other systems that are actually quite quite conservative with a small C yeah. in that regard. And there's a space for those. But in Savage, it's a game of action, adventure, and interaction. And I think that's what I like most.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right, actually. I mean, it might be why, uh, when we've looked at some of the big books recently, we've been less than enthused, or people have, mm. I don't know, looked at Simbroom, for example, and said, this is really great setting, and I've looked at it and gone, oh, come on, get to the good bit. Because uh, I'm just used to Savage settings, where it's kind of like, here's the good bit. Uh, here's some mm-hmm. more good bits uh, and here's a bit that we think is good but you don't and vice versa so I, I'm probably just used to reading the kind of game books now where it's kind of like here's fun stuff in your face like do the fun stuff um, so if I don't get that it, it probably jaded me a little bit to other settings perhaps mm-hmm. um, okay. but yeah I mean Deadlands for example has got it's one of those good examples that um, it's, it's not that many new rules but there's enough little bits that make it interesting so you've got things like in the Hammer so it's got the rules for you whip the pistol you just like fan the, the, the hammer back on your gun lots of times and empty your pistol into someone and that kind of stuff And there's not many extra rules but the ones they've got in are flavourful for that particular setting and bring it a bit more alive so if you want to go mm-hmm. on clip with one on someone then it's got the rule for that and there's only a few of them like I say but it, it gives it that extra bit of spice um, and your, your magic uses one of them the a huckster who kind of has deals with the devil there's like these manatees up in the hunting grounds that provide you with your power and when you're in a points, so you can kind of give them a whisper and see if they'll give you some power. And it might do, <laughs> but if you mess it up, they're going to mess with you kind of thing. So you actually get a hand of playing cards and try and make a hand out of it to get to win the deal with the devil kind of thing. So mm. it's very tactile and in spirit with the kind of like the game artifacts you're using feel part of the game as well. So you use poker chips for your bennies, all that kind of stuff. Different colors have different sort of different things. And, but it all just fits in and feels very thematic. and You kind of mm. get sucked into the same really easily, I think.
1: Okay, so, so we like Savage Worlds, and I guess we're encouraging people to go look it up and try <laughs> it if you haven't tried it before. So that's, that's a given. So you've just come back from a weekend of a gaming convention dedicated entirely to Savage Worlds games. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the first convention to have done that with a game system. Far from it. But that's quite unusual. So most game cons, you're, you're, you're going to want variety of systems and setting. So for a con to go all in on Savage... Did it work? Did you get that versatility that you see from Savage? What was the spread like,
0: mate? Oh, it was really, really good, Baz. You should come next year. I should. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sort that I out. Should. Yeah, really so, good. Um, if anything, it kind of focused you purely on um, what's the setting? Like, what what right. sort of game are we going to play? Because, uh, you know, I would say it's everybody to go, but obviously you've got to at least be okay with Savage Worlds. if you hate it as a system. You're not gonna get a lot out of that weekend. But assuming you're released all right with it and don't mind it, um, it's brilliant. Uh, so yeah, I run a Venetian jungles game, I run a Hellfrost, um, and I run something else that I can't remember. Oh, Mad Max. So like mm. a, a Hell on Earth game, but using characters out of the Netrunner universe as the sort of as the PCs. Um All Goods, I played um, a Japanese swordsman in one game, Ninja. Uh, and that had a cool little bit of mechanic as well that I mentioned before, where it said you sort of like take things and use them in a different way. In Savage Worlds, you've got automatic weapons, which have a rate of fire, so you can roll a number of shooting dice equal to the rate of fire plus your wild die and get multiple shots, that kind of thing. So it had that kind of mechanic for the shuriken. So a rate of fire three shurikens, cool. so basically I was just chucking loads of these uh, deadly stars everywhere every time I-, I threw one, which was you know a neat little mechanic. I hadn't thought of it before, but I'm going to use it again. You know, I've got some knife-throwing guy or something like that that's great mm-hmm. um there's tons of stuff i mean i can't literally sort of anything i can think of there was um, there's definitely pirates there was uh indiana jones type stuff there was um chronicles on a, mm-hmm. like with dishonored uh, corrupted samurai on a space station trying to avoid the earth being destroyed um there was other lost world type stuff uh, there was solomon kane so sort of conani type well the author of conan one of his sort of settings all kinds of stuff mate uh, and really I could have you know if they had the same convention again the next weekend I could have gone back again and played five completely different games and, and still been completely happy um, and, and they all
1: worked really well from what I could see everybody was delighted with the, with the convention so so what can't Savage World do or what? where is it where is it poor as a fit for gaming because we're, we're maybe trying to sell it as the game that can do everything I don't think that's the case
0: yeah um so, although there are things like Realms of Cothili, uh, which try and do the Cothili thing, um, for those sort of horror-type games, you're going to struggle. Anything where your characters need to be in a lot of peril, although there are setting rules to kind of handle this and make it not, your characters not as robust, they are quite tough and capable. So, anything where you want to be kind of like, you know, um, a, a lost group of guys in the woods with a monstrous cabin or something, you, you might mm-hmm. struggle a bit because, you know, the, the characters are reasonably tough and able and and can do action type stuff, so that's one thing Um, if you're playing a game that hasn't got much action in it if you're not trying to sort of punch Nazis off an airplane or something uh, it's arguably not that great either I don't know, Uh, there's people who play D&D and say they have great political campaigns Uh, they might do, who who might who might to argue, but I don't think it's D&D that's helping them have great political campaigns I think they've Mm -hmm. just got some good role players around the table and they're having Game of Thrones uh, their own version of it and the system mm-hmm. rarely gets involved unless someone has to make a diplomacy check perhaps um, so I yeah. think that would be similar for Savage you can certainly have it in the background where you play whatever sort of game you want but unless you're doing action stuff then there's lots of words in that rule but you're not using it anymore and you know why would you play that sort of game with Savage it doesn't preclude that in your campaigns you don't have bits where you don't roll many dice and you're still chatting but my argument would be it's not Savage helping you with that that's just
1: you and your gamers having a good time mm. okay no I think that's fair Um, I think um I don't know if, if Savage can do this be interested in your opinion I suspect the other types of game you might not be able to get away with would be those ones where your party is made up of sort of similar-ish characters who are all fairly niche but need a wide variety of stuff I'm thinking of like you know something like Mage the Ascension or Ars Magica where you're all powerful wizards so you're all essentially wizards but different flavours of that wizard because your character sheets would look fairly similar, I guess. You can have any trappings you want and I totally get that but if you wanted to get into that level of detail, mechanical stuff, then maybe Savage isn't right for that. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, probably not. Um, The edges are kind of what make things a little bit different. So, right. you you could have a couple of fighters, and one's got kind of the fencing and first strike edges and stuff like that, and high agility and pretty mm. good with a with, with sword. And then you could have someone who's just a big tank who's got lots of toughness and vigor and carries a, a big axe or something. So, you could make a couple or three fighters maybe, and they've all got a different flavour to them. Um, mm. But uh, it's sort of the complaint I get most about Savage is probably like how extensible it is. So, it's, it's as you go up in the levels, it gets to a point where. Edges start crossing over quite a lot people start off right. quite niche um, but like that shaken thing for example the an edge which gives you plus two to recover from shaken combat reflexes uh, mm. quite often people take that there's nerves of steel which allows you to ignore wound penalties quite often people start taking that and they may not be the first things you take but as you go up in levels you get to sort of heroic legendary they sort of the ones you start taking because it just, you know, it makes sense mechanically in the game to do that. So mm. you become less diverse and there's a lot, you know, the Venn diagrams get a lot more overlapped as people start taking the good and invert common edges to make sure they, they've mm. covered the character off because they've got all the niche ones that they wanted anyway. You know, you've got your wizardry edge or you've got whatever it is you need to do a uh, rapid recharge and your power points and all this kind of stuff for your wizard. And, and once you've got some of the core cool ones, you kind of just go for the same ones after that, to an extent. So, arguably, if you're going to play Savage Worlds for a long time, it does sort of start to creak a bit. As you get to legendary. you run out of things to get, which you know everyone else hasn't got, or whatever else.
1: Mm. Okay. But if it's action-adventure you want, versatility, uh, simplicity, speed, this is the game for you.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and there's a ton of stuff I haven't mentioned, so there's um, they put in little bits of extras now, whether they're worth doing or not, it's so up to individual gems, but uh, there's stuff like interludes so you kind of do a flashback to something that's mm-hmm. happened before similar to what's happening now uh, and once you've done that you get a Benny so that, that sort of helps out again with that kind of situation where a player's burned all the Benny's and can't do anything they can do a bit of a well I remember when that that band came into my village when I was a child and killed my father sort of thing there you go have a Benny mm-hmm. crack on um, there's a little bit on social conflicts there's some mass battle rules or some vehicle rules and chase mechanics um, all kinds of extra little bits like that that you know we haven't even got into that are all there mm. as tools that you can use that add into the game. So Action Adventure is definitely worth having a look at. Uh, it's, it's my go-to for that kind of stuff. I know a lot of people like Fate, a lot of people like Cypher. It's it's kind of in that kind of ballpark. And it does slightly yeah. different things, but it, it, it works very well. Um, so it, you might want to pick Fate if you're doing things where um, you might have less specific actions, if that makes sense. So that there's certain things it's... you can do in Fate that are just kind of... Uh, this vaguely applies to my aspect, so I'm going to do this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Savage is more of like, "Core, like I need to roll this skill to do this this thing." And I don't know, if Fate's got skills as well, but I think Fate can be a little more more woolly. Uh, and if you want a bit more kind of of the uh, mechanical crunch under the, the options and a bit more of the, the game element, I think that's where Savage is, has got the edge, probably.
1: Yeah, and and I think I think Fate. You're right, mate. Fate and Cipher similarities definitely. Fate is a bit more. It's a bit more narrative, maybe with a capital N, but there's more of a negotiation over like uh, it could work this way. There's the, no, there's more of a negotiation over who gets to narrate any outcome. Um, whereas a spend of a Benny in Savage, which has a similar effect, but it's much more concrete what that actually means. And when you throw a chip across the table, it's not then up for debate amongst the table. What happens? It, yeah. it, it does a thing. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, mean does a thing to your charisma. It's you, uh, anyone can play it as an aspect, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think the, the games could learn a lot from each other, mm. um, yeah. and 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 Cipher as well. You know, Cipher ciphers is similarly in some way a generic system, but it, and it uses a kind of a bolt together system to generate its characters, and it's you know I, I quite like that element to it. So you know, you, you pay your money and it takes your choice, don't you? But but speaking of paying your money, you can get Savage Worlds for basically nothing because it's Test Drive is a thing, which is its free giveaway. And I think... I had a look on the website today. So it have been ages since I looked. I think they've got Test Drive rules attached to some of their example settings. Yeah. So it's like 20 pages, and you get the basic rules, which is more than enough to play with, and actually an adventure and characters, so you can play in one of their settings, so you get to experience it all. And I think they also pioneered the explorers edition that little digest size book which i don't think is much money i couldn't give you an exact amount for it now is it sub a tenner must be i think
0: yeah i think nine ninety nine last time i looked Mm.
1: when it initially came out which was years ago it was something
0: like 5.99 it was ridiculous yeah um but yeah it's you know like 10 quid for a complete setting well complete system sorry that you can use for multiple settings bargain Mm. Bargain.
1: okay so i'm excited i yeah, full color. I know it's it, it's good stuff. I mean, I think it's it, it, give it a go. If if what we've said has got you excited at all, I think it's worth a look. I think, I think have a flick through the book. There, I, I there were some criticisms in the past that sometimes the tone of Savage Worlds could be a bit too for color for some people. Mm. There was, you know, a little bit like, you know, they never use the G in the I-N-G at the end of a word when an apostrophe will do. It's shooting, <laughs> not shooting. And, that, and that's a taste thing, I think, perhaps. But, you know, but underneath that, you could play extremely serious games. So it it really can do an awful lot of things. Not everything, um, but what it does do, it does it really well. Enough to power a convention, which I've not heard a bad word about, so I'm kind of gutted I didn't go for it this year. And I, I kind of want to get my Savage Worlds books out. Maybe we could run some online stuff. Maybe some of our our patrons that we love would like to jump on board and and have a game of Savage something with us. Yeah, I know you'd like cool. to do that. There's, you know, online stuff supports all of the cards and the widgets and the chips and everything these days, doesn't it? So, you know, all of that crazy stuff is quite easy to negotiate if you want to play with hangouts or stuff too. So, yeah, let's let's get a Savage on, mate. Let's do some more. Yeah, definitely.
0: Cool beans. So yeah, and you've mentioned our loyal patrons. Um, one one guy cornered me several times, in fact, at the convention, to sort of ask why we don't do uh, per episode as as our model for that. Uh, and it really just comes down to the fact that we've got hosting costs and things like that that are monthly. So we just do a bit of a monthly fee, and that helps pave towards that. Um, not all the way, but it helps us out. So we're not quite so apoplectic. So if you do fancy supporting us, just chucking a dollar in or whatever else, do that. You'll get at least one episode a month. So if you're happy paying a dollar an episode. There you go. That's your model sorted out. Uh, and you'll probably get more than that. And of course, if we get a Patreon value up high enough, we'll get a to do a fanzine or we'll run some online games for you or we'll you know host some of your topics, get you as a guest, whatever you want.
1: Chuck a well, dollar. Or I'd leave you alone if you give yeah, me no money. That's, that's, that's your yeah. preference. That, that's that's <laughs> the higher level.
0: You need to pay even more money so we won't bug you as much. Um, but yes. Um, so yeah thanks loyal listeners uh, do spread the word uh, share our podcast with other people you think might be interested drop us a dollar give us a thanks drop us a line on the hotmail or whatever else you want to do we love hearing from you
1: yeah thanks everybody we'll see you next time for some more savage cheers bye for now
2: you can get in touch with The Smart Party by your favourite electronic means. Look us up on the forums, where we're just about everywhere, or you can simply email us at thesmartparty@hotmail.com. Your the comments, insights, questions and revelations are always welcome. More diplomacy!